0: the man is a menace, yeah, building a dynasty, some of the finest things, promise you, you won't regret it, mm. Slice the a fox, coach it in pop, give him his props, here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try, careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean Dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake, whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby, hey. Table. Fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go.
2: What is going on everybody and welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast proud partners of the pigskin podcast network you can find them at pigskin on twitter or you can search the hashtag t p p n as we talked about on friday we are joined by a special guest we have got christopher harris with us you can find him at harris football on twitter we are excited to have you here talking all kinds of football uh chris i'm sure you get this question a lot but how did you get started in the fantasy football industry?
3: Uh, how did I get started? I, I was um, finishing up a graduate degree in creative writing. And I had lived up a life of being like having a regular job. And all I really knew coming out of that uh, graduate program was that I didn't want another real job. So I started doing, I had done some freelance writing previously. I started doing some more freelance writing. Uh, it sort of just worked its way. It was a good timing. It was really good timing. it was it was right around the time of, of fantasy football starting to get really big. So 2007 eight something like that and uh, it just worked my worked my way into a job with Yahoo worked my way into a job with ESPN. I was at ESPN for eight years and then now I've been on my own for seven.
4: So w- when you took the leap from ESPN, like, I, 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 having been a musician, I imagine like creative writing and so create people who are creative. You're you're seeking something. So, what was missing for you that you were like, I'm going out on my own to to fill this space for me? What was that there?
3: Well, I didn't. Re- I sort of was just leaving to leave. I was kind of just the overall. I I, I liked it there, um, and obviously like who leaves that job? You know, like that's crazy. That's, the, you know, and and I stayed probably a little longer than I should have for exactly that reason. Like who leaves that job? Um, I just had reached a point where I was kind of doing the same thing every year, which is what happens. I don't blame them so much. It, it's just what happens at a big place. Uh, and, and I would try to get like work my way into a new little avenue that I could work. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. I had a podcast at, espn for a few years that people might remember it was the fantasy underground and uh i was informed that that would not exist any longer for reasons unbeknownst to me and i basically just got to the point where i was like listen this is fine but life is finite and i'm really just doing the same articles and the same videos and the same thing from year to year and so i i kind of left without a plan i didn't leave so much expecting that i would get a really big podcast on my own um honestly it had to do with the time of year that i left my contract happened to be up in the fall right before the season the 2015 season and if if i'd left in in january or if i'd left in march i don't know what i would have done but because football season was about to start and i had spent the whole summer writing their magazine and like being you know familiar with everything i thought was going to happen in 2015 i thought all right we'll give it a shot i'll give it a shot i have no idea how to make a podcast or host one or get ads for one or anything um but i'll i'll try i'll learn and i'll try and then i assumed that by the end of the 2015 season you know whatever 72 people would be listening and i'd be like all right i gotta figure out what happens next in my career and instead within like just a few weeks it was like a rocket ship it was it took off and so never looked back
4: well, congratulations. Do you ever listen back to those early ones that you produced yourself just to s- see how much the whole <laughs> process has grown for you? I,
3: I, w- which would be worse? Would it be worse that, that it was it was way different or would it be worse that it was exactly the same?
4: <laughs> depends. I, think, I mean, yeah. obviously it was successful, so you were doing something right.
3: Sure. I think... it probably wasn't so much the production and it probably still isn't so much the production. I, I do produce it myself and it's, and it's all done the same way. I do the whole thing in audacity. You know, I put it all together. I do sound drops. I, you know, the whole thing myself. So uh, I don't know that it would sound that different and maybe that's shameful.
4: (laughs) Nothing wrong with sticking with what works. All right. So let's kind of move on into the, we'll talk, we'll start to talk the fantasy football we're in dynasty season. Yeah, and you know it's startups, it's rookies, it's it's NFL news, what's happening, and so when I looked at your rankings, the one so just I'm going to preface this by saying I live in Columbus, Ohio. I graduated from Ohio State. (laughs) I am an Ohio State fan. Um, my wife has worked there for 22 years. Even I was surprised though to see Chris Olave as your wide receiver too. Uh, I, I I think most people have him a little bit lower. Um, what do you like most about his game and, and how do you think he fits with, with what the saints are going to do this year?
3: I want to preface the entire conversation, just getting it out. And every, everybody who follows me and listens to my show knows that I am not a college scout. I don't have time during the um, NFL season to to watch college football really at all i'm not up on these dudes in the slightest bit i know their names and that's about it um my my shtick is basically i watch every single nfl game right on you know within so sunday you like, the, you
4: like the sound of his name that's why.
3: <laughs> by, monday, by monday night um on entering during the season i i've i've watched all 16 games right, right. so i am focused on that stuff. So, what I do when it comes to pre-draft season, I'm kind of a blank, I'm tabula rasa. I am a blank blank slate for the people who do that work to write upon. And I have them all on my podcast. I have a bunch of draft experts who come on and I say, "What about this?" and "What about that?" And I play the dumb guy, which is convenient cuz I'm super dumb. And they they kind of fill me in. And so what I've liked the most about Olave and what what I've been told about him and then what I've been told other people who were in the industry like about him too. I have some friends that work for NFL organizations is just like the combination of speed and polish. Uh, obviously you saw him make a whole bunch of big plays and that seems like that's available in New Orleans. And, you know, from a dynasty perspective, I'm not going to assume that Jameis Winston's the quarterback or that anything that's there right now resembles what will, Michael Thomas might not be there in a year. Uh, so, but, but it does seem like big plays are going to be a part of his repertoire. And then, as far as a route runner and all, all anybody talks about is his smoothness and sort of natural ability. And that sounds good to me. I don't think it's a rookie draft among dynasty players where there are a lot of sure things. And but, so if you, if you tell me I can line up and with one of those first few picks, get a guy who probably doesn't have the ceiling of Jamison Williams, probably doesn't, but Jameson Williams has his own issues. Uh, but I think the floor is really high and I'm sort of locking in, you know, the, the 2022 version of wide receiver two production, which is rare. I think these days, there are a lot of wide receiver threes out there, not a lot of wide receiver twos. Um, That, that, that's interesting to me.
1: Do you have any concerns now that they've added Jarvis Landry about having what his production might be in 2022?
3: So I, I reserve the right to change my mind, of course, because we, none of us really know anything yet. It, it. I don't know if
1: you've been on
4: Twitter, Chris. (laughs) <laughs> to your mind. I reserve, I've
3: just reserved it. I've just stamped, stamped it down. I now officially have reserved it. Um, listen, Jarvis Landry has been a very good player in his career. He was not a very good player last year. And I don't know if he's been anything like the Miami player. He was for a few years now. Uh, I, I really liked him in his heyday, but I don't even understand exactly how he fits. If we want to talk offensive scheme, does Michael Thomas play the slot Jarvis Landry can't play on the outside. Uh, I, I had the choice when I put Landry into my season long ranks, very low, you know, among the top 80 receivers, I put them like 68 or 72 or something. I had a choice to say, all right, this is a reason to lower Olave. And I consciously didn't make that choice. Um, and really that conversation seems like it's way more relevant for redraft than, than for dynasty, uh, just because how long, I mean, Landry's not going to be there long and Michael Thomas might not be there long. But but your point is still taken. I mean, 2022 is the most important year in a dynasty league because I would like to win this year. So it's fair, and and I don't have Olave real high in redraft redraft ranks, but it just feels like his career floor is pretty high.
4: Yeah, I, I'm I'm an Olave fan. Like uh, at dynasty nerds, one of the things we've had we've talked about Olave a lot is that he has a propensity to catch and fall. Like he doesn't do a lot after he catches the ball. And I was surprised that he was six foot tall when he went to the combine. Even he, he just, sometimes he plays a lot smaller than that, but he is fast and he is a great route runner and he gets open and there's a home for that in the NFL and in fantasy,
3: especially against zone. I mean, we're going back to the days of zone, man. Like defenses are playing back. You know, there's, there's a reason why Christian Kirk just made a lot of money. I don't think Christian Kirk can beat a lot of outside corners one on one. I think it's proven that he couldn't, but right. finding spots, running a good route, finding a spot against zone where a bunch of people are kind of responsible for you but nobody's glued right to you. There's really a big uh place in that in the NFL for that kind of player. Besides which I think we're convinced is faster than someone like Kirk and can play on the outside.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I think he's just he's just a tiny bit bigger than Kirk, and so I think that will help him on the outside. So, did you guys have any questions about
2: Olave? I mean, Other than
3: how dare you? Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, I, I I love it. I think the way that you worded the the wide receiver two part, I think, is very underrated in what a lot of people look at Olave. Like everybody just wants to go for the boom, and I think Olave is a very safe option. I mean. You talk about he just came back for his senior year at Ohio State. You mentioned the, the the guys that you talked to said he's very polished. I think that comes with the age. He's a really good route runner. I think he is one of the few wide receivers. I think both actually the Ohio State guys, him and Garrett Wilson, are guys who could step on the field and immediately be good for their NFL teams. But everybody shoots from the moon, right? You Well, right. we know Drake London has this upside. Drake Drake. Trey Lumberg has this upside where I do agree with you. Like I think Chris Olave could immediately come in and be a wide receiver two for fantasy. And even if he never outproduces that, everybody, you have to have at least one wide receiver two in your lineup somewhere. Not everybody's rocking with Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and De- DeAndre Hopkins as your starting wide receivers. You've got to have guys who you can fill into your roster. So I, I like that call a lot. This is more of a redraft question. There are a lot of rumors that drew Brees might actually be considering <laughs> coming back. Does that hurt your projection for him at all? Cause I would assume that, you know, having Jameis Winston there and how much they likely would pass the ball with him would probably boost that offense a little bit more than a drew Brees coming back out of from, you know, practically being retired.
3: I don't think he's coming back. I think he was just a tweet. He was just kidding. Like, but we will take it. We'll, we'll take the question on its face at first. Uh, like, I, I saw what that Jameis Winston offense looked like before he got hurt last year. There probably wasn't a more conservative offense in the league. They were like, please God, Jameis do not hurt us that, you know, they were, they were really, really managing him really pull, you know, tighten the reins to get crazy. Jameis, the guy who on my show, I call the wacky waving, inflatable arm flailing tube man. Uh, You know, he's a crazy man. He's the, probably the most aggressive player in the league at that position. And you can't, and he's not good at it. So, I don't even know if the offense would change that much. This offense probably isn't going to be gangbusters, go crazy down the field, even with much better receiving weapons, just because I don't think they're going to trust Jameis. It strikes me as Sean Payton felt that way, and his disciples will probably all feel that way too. Um, But but I would still rather have current contemporary Jameis Winston throwing the ball than washed Drew Brees, who we all know couldn't push the ball down the field really at all those last couple of years. I don't think we're going to have to worry about it, though.
4: Yeah, I, um, he Br- Breeze kind of like Ben Roethlisberger at the end. It was, it was all he, he had it all up here in the head. He just couldn't get it out the arm.
1: And yeah, I mean, you and, see uh, that with a lot of keepies.
4: And I, and I think Breeze was just reacting to all the talk about him not being back at NBC, and people started to talk shit and classify him with uh, Jason Witten as uh, commentator.
1: You yeah, never yeah. know. He could have used that year away to go on the Tom Brady child
3: sacrifice
1: plan to maintain
3: <laughs> that useful. So, the, 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 uh, that's the Peter Thiel, like uh, literally getting the blood of the stem cells of young people injected.
1: That's actually. So far, perfect. it's just Tom Brady and Tom Cruise. They might expand it outside of a Tom. That's right. Don't
4: know. Well, sticking with wide receivers. So Pittsburgh is notorious for being able to identify and develop wide receivers. So they've got Deontay Johnson, they've got Chase Claypool. You know, they've let Hines Ward go years ago. They developed him, Antonio Brown, small school guy. Lots of guys have came through there. And so their reputation is all about the wide receiver development. With Deontay Johnson heading into the last year of his contract and Chase Claypool kind of being mediocre last year, They went out and drafted George Pickens and one of uh, Matt Bruning's favorite guys, Calvin Austin III. So you have Austin at wide receiver 16. I think you have Pickens at wide receiver 8. Do you think that there's – did the Steelers' ability to develop receivers, did that impact your rankings of those two guys at all after you took in all the information from uh, people on your show?
3: I I wanted it to, but I also I make a pretty um, clear and uh, pr- I break a promise basically to the listeners. I'm really not looking at consensus ranks, and I don't know whether I'm that means I'm high on them or low on them. I I don't know. Um, I meant to. I I do respect that development process. It's pretty clear that it's been it's been it's lasted over more than a decade. Uh, you forgot Juju, right? You didn't forget, oh, but yeah. like Juju was part of it too. Hey, he just on. left. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure but uh, mike williams antonio
2: holmes yeah
3: It, it counts as development and they're very very good at it um so i so i definitely meant to i think you know those two particular draftees from this year they bring fun upside and also potential questions and and concerns like pickens feels like for the good things that people say about George Pickens, why wasn't he like a consensus first round pick? I think there was some thought that he might be at at one point in his career. uh, And, and it feels like there's just been something missing. And maybe the Steelers are awesome at bringing things that are missing out of players. And let's see about Chase Claypool, right? The thing you said before about Ben Roethlisberger was really smart. And maybe all that was missing last year was, sorry, we just can't go down the field, which is where you shine. Um, And, and, you know, Pickens has to be kind of that, perimeter player as well uh and then like you tell me is the other kid a wide receiver is he running like well, how are they gonna use him it, it strikes me as uh, it struck me in the ranking of them that there's a negative just in that you're the second receiver your team took in this draft um but And and like maybe more valuable to an NFL team right away than to a fantasy team, because is he really a a receiver or is he going to be a, you know, a slash type player, but not of the Debo sized player. But I don't know, Matt, you tell me what I'm missing on him. Uh,
4: He's going to be playing slot back rhapsody is what he's going to (laughs) do. Slot
3: back rhapsody. There you go.
2: I mean, I, I just love him for his, his speed and his separation. And I am definitely counting a little bit on Pittsburgh developing him, but I do think Deontay is in his way. And I feel like with the way they use him and, and just kind of the player he is, I could, even though Pittsburgh typically doesn't re-sign those guys, I do think Deontay is more likely to be re-signed than like a Chase Claypool. I think they drafted George Pickens to replace Claypool, so then that would hurt Austin. I've, I've heard a lot of people that I know are big Steelers fans and, and close to that think that he's mostly just going to be like their kick returner and their punt return right. guy. But I think just his speed and everything is dangerous. And who is this wide? I cannot, I'm, I'm like dying to know who is the wide receiver that I'm thinking of. It's not Mike Williams. I said, Mike Williams, that's the Chargers wide receiver. He was Mike Wallace, Steve, Mike Wallace. That's Mike who Wallace, was. it. Was, I was right, trying, yeah. like, jumping on the internet, trying to find this. So yeah. But yeah. I, I think he's a, a really good wide receiver. And I think, The other reason I really like him, too, I mean, he graded out very highly for me in my film grades, but it's also you can get him so late in rookie drafts like nobody's taken him before, like the third, maybe fourth round. That's another reason why I'd be willing to bet on him with the with Pittsburgh's track record as well.
1: So we we talked about obviously Ben wasn't uh, incredible last year uh, as a passer. What uh, what are you expecting from this Pittsburgh pass offense with either second chance
3: Mitch or small hands Pickett uh, <laughs> taking the place? It's so funny. I, I I'd love to hear what you guys said when you found out the Steelers had you know took Pickett as as like clearly the QB one in the draft when that did not seem to be the consensus at all among the wise guys. Uh, I, you know, the Steelers are one of those organizations that the media just likes they're a very popular team. They also are very, um, you know, just Mike Tomlin's very uh, telegenic and he give you a great quote and they give a fair amount of access. And it feels to me that often they can sort of do no wrong. So if they've decided Kenny Pickett's the right guy, then what a story. Oh my God. He's going to stay in his, in his university town and uh, you know, star for his, for the same city. Uh, I, I didn't think Pickett was that level of prospect and so I have a hard time just because the Steelers took him in the first round of thinking that he's not I mean the, the last time we took this long to get a second quarterback taken in the draft was the Chad Pennington year Chad Pen- you know Chad Pennington went a little later actually I think that year in the first round and then there wasn't a pick for a, another quarterback till the third round uh it it strikes me that that's the likeliest thing i don't know like pennington young pennington was actually a good player before he hurt his shoulder and and lost his fastball was a pretty good player but like you know in the way that kirk cousins is a pretty good player in the way that andy dalton is a pretty good player uh i think it's a negative i think no matter what you're talking about if you're going to compare the Steeler quarterback situation this year and in the next couple of three years to compare him to all those other superstar quarterbacks and what they do for their receivers just in the afc uh, it's it's not it wouldn't go down on the like list of positives and negatives that everybody would make for a receiver. It wouldn't go down on the list of positives. They might have the 16th best quarterback
1: situation in the AFC. It's possible yeah, they do.
2: <laughs> I'm I'm really torn on it because I I am a massive Browns fan, so I I openly root for Steelers to to fail all the time. And I was not a big picket fan either. But I do think he kind of fits that team. Like I I don't Tomlin has shown that he wants to build around his defense, right? Like he wants to win games with his defense. And I do think that matters when you get into the playoffs. Like if we take the fantasy football aspect out of it, if you go just strictly NFL, we see guys like Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, you know, they're, they're sexy and exciting, but they haven't necessarily succeeded in the playoffs. It seems to be defense that is really what's winning these guys Super Bowls. And Kenny Pickett just looks like a guy. I hate to label the game manager thing, but I feel like that—that's why they picked him. He's ready to go now. I think the Steelers—they're always in competing. I don't think they've ever been below five hundred under Mike Tomlin, and they're always trying. They're like almost always in the playoffs. They're always competing for a Super Bowl. So I think that's why they took him. Is just hey, he's—he's he's a guy that we know will come in there. He's not going to really throw that many interceptions. We've got great weapons around him, so all he's got to do is dump off. We'll rely on Najee, who's going to just get like. It seems like 50 catches a game and a, and a and a crap ton of rushes, and then we're just going to rely on our defense. So I'm with you on the the fantasy impact. I think is going to be not great. I, I would bet only one of those guys really gets. Um, it, my bet would be Deontay. I think that that he really carries or is a, at least help uh, able to help produce for fantasy numbers. But I I think overall from an NFL perspective, it wasn't a horrible pick because. I think was all the talk was that they were in on Malik Willis, but I, I mean he's probably at least a year away from being a starter, and I don't know that they wanted to roll in with Mitch, which sucks for him too because he, I think he really thought he was going to be a be a starter well, this year here's his personal changed. lunches
1: with uh, Mike Tom. Yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but our lunches. I mean,
3: uh, here's what I would say: like, is it true that defense wins in the playoffs? So, uh, it's if you can't go down the field, how are you going to win that Kansas City Buffalo game? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know Brilliant. if I agree with that anymore. Like, yeah. I, it, you know, the Rams had both, but the Rams beat the Buccaneers because with less than a minute to go after Tom Brady had Tom Brady had come back and and sucked the blood out of some children. Uh, then, you know, Matthew Stafford hit a zero blitz deep bomb to Cooper Cup that I would need a quarterback to be able to do. Uh, it, you might be right. And, and, and it's easy to draw. Large philosophical conclusions about the NFL from very small sample sizes, and unfortunately, even year to year, the NFL just changes an awful lot, and defenses change their approaches, and and we start pretending like we know things we don't know. You're right. I mean, I think at the very least, they drafted the quarterback apparently who can come in and play right away. But if he comes in and plays right away, like Mac Jones, speaking as a Patriot fan, (laughs) I just feel like I don't know that Mac Jones ever leads me to a Super Bowl unless I unless I. Spend the money to surround him with an ungodly amount of talent
4: yeah, I mean the, for me when it came to picket, my biggest issue well, there hasn't been a ton of successful quarterbacks with his hand size. I was more concerned with the fact that it took him five years to put up big numbers mm-hmm. and, and that didn't happen until Jordan Addison came in, and i 'm an old dude, so I remember a guy Benjamin who was all that at Stanford, it just ended up that he was throwing the ball to uh, James Lofton, who went on to have quite the stellar career, and Guy Benjamin just kind of faded away. So is that – to me, I'm wondering, is, is that what's in store for Kenny Pickett because it took him so long. He was, you know, what, 23 years old, I think. Had He, he had a lot of starts. He just wasn't great the first couple, three years. Um, when he was starting. So I, I like Pickett okay. And I liked that the team invested in him, but by and large, I think the success of this class is going to come for super flex leagues in fantasy. I think the quarterbacks that were drafted are quarterback twos. They're guys, I think in three years, you're going to look at them and say, I don't want this guy leading my team, but if he's my QB two or my QB three, I'm fairly comfortable with that. And uh, if I got impaired with somebody, I, I can can make a run. Uh, you know, I'm talking about quarterbacks still, you're ranking. So I thought they were kind of peculiar. You had uh, Pickett and Willis back to back and then a uh-huh. big gap and then Desmond Ritter and then another big gap and then Matt Corral and Sam Howell. So draft capital caused Sam Howell to have a precipitous fall in rookie drafts. Um, but it it was interesting that, that you had Willis up there who does seem to be the furthest away, um, or one of the further guys away from being ready to play. So what, what pushed him up and then caused like kind of, why were they so spread out? Like how'd Corral get down
3: there? Oh, I don't want in any rookie dynasty draft. I I don't want anybody, but, um, Willis, I don't think I do. I mean, it depends on when right? you'll take anybody at the right price, but he's the one like he he's the one who I don't know fine seventy five percent he turns into nothing but the twenty five percent he turns into something well he's you just said they're all QB twos. he's the one who could be a QB one if everything goes right and he learns how to play and he manifests the laser rocket arm and the legs I mean especially the legs for fantasy purposes he's he can get in the trey lance conversation he can get. All the reasons we get excited about mobile quarterbacks it's right there It's not going to be there this year we know that it, it might have been had he gone to a different landing spot but he goes to a place with an established starter albeit one who vomited all over himself in the playoffs and you know if if there's sanity in Tennessee they're looking for a, a way out I think they found it if Willis develops um so I I mean if anything I, I was trying to balance in those ranks I'm trying to balance all right the, the dude I really want is Willis. I don't really want, even in the superflex league. I can find the the cube the generic QB two anywhere. I can find him anywhere in a superflex league. I can sometimes t- trade like roster flotsam for him. You know, I I just don't feel like I need to s- stretch myself to get Sam Howell. Uh, frankly, I don't feel like I need to stretch myself to get Kenny Pickett. I just put Pickett as high as I did because he. I think he will have that starting job. Um, that rank might be wrong, but it might be too high on Pickett if it turns out that he's not ready. Um, so, I, so the way I approach the quarterbacks for Dynasty this year is I don't think any of them are going to ever be good for fantasy, except for I give Willis a you know a puncher's chance, and and it's worth taking a, a like a second, late second, early third, mid third, you know kind of kind of draft choice on him. No higher than that, though.
4: like crew here recently.
3: I lost that. Sorry. I didn't hear you. I said, I think I just
4: saw roster flotsam open for Motley Crue here recently.
3: (laughs) Roster flotsam. Yes, sir. So, so
4: a lot of people were high on Matt Corral and in the pre-draft process, he was hampered by the injury and really didn't get to show anything. He also is, in my opinion, the one who kind of went to the worst quarterback situation, um, or the worst team situation. I feel like a couple years ago, I was like, I think Matt rule is really going to be good, but he's kind of turned out to be not good. Do you have concerns that if there was any hope for, for Corral um, that it's just going to be washed away here in the first contract with lousy coaching? <sighs>
3: well- You know, Matt Roll could could and maybe is one season away from not being there. And, you know, if you're drafting Corral in a rookie dynasty draft, you're not taking him for this year. Obviously, Uh, Sam Darnold won't be there like long term. We're clearing out a lot of stuff that could be conceivably in the way. I mean, my again, I don't want to palm myself off as someone who's watching all his college tape. But my my impression from what everybody says is that he had some nice moments, but he had some real head scratching weird read terrible bouts of inaccuracy just like maybe you could say he's got some of that same like low floor high ceiling that willis has but without the crazy potential for first of all not the huge huge cannon that we think willis has and then also not the potential to just win fantasy games by running uh, that just doesn't sound like somebody who's who's got that profile now you guys can disagree with that profile and i'm not really i'm kind of being a composite of other people's opinions that have they've told me but it, uh, th- you know that doesn't sound that interesting to me
1: sounds like carolina got uh, sam darnold's
3: cousin <laughs> <laughs> it's good that they have a spare just in case <laughs> i mean our <laughs> the question i have about sam darnold is are we are we even at the point where his highs even seem high anymore well right. do, do you think he's gonna end up it
1: sounds like you think he's going to remain the starter there in Carolina. It seems like they've decided they're not going to go uh, try to trade for somebody, which is intriguing.
3: I don't think we would know one way or the other. No one's going to tell you, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, we're we're going to trade for Baker Mayfield in August." You just wait. You know, they're all trying to pretend like they've moved on
1: after two games
3: of watching Sam Darnold and his cousin try out for or, the job, or yeah, potentially two two practices. But you know, this is this that story is not over because. Mayfield yeah. probably can't be on that roster. I, after what he said, and after, frankly, he's right, the team didn't treat him very well, uh, I don't think Mayfield can be on that roster, so he's going to he's gonna go somewhere. The question is, does he go somewhere where uh, a Seattle, a Carolina, where there's a job just sitting there waiting for him to play this year, or does he go somewhere where, you know, Tampa, where Brady's going to retire next year? Although, again, plasma children, we know. But, like, you know, sit for, sit for a year and then... Um, you know, take over, take over a situation. I, not that, not that I'm positive that he's great. Although I think he's much, much better than Drew Lock and Sam Darnold. Um, So like, yeah, I, I don't think Pete, he Pete clearly doesn't. Cause I don't know if you know, but
1: he thinks Drew Lock was the best quarterback prospect in this class.
3: The thing is like, we call him Petey sunshine. We're, we're all better off if we just never know what most of these guys ever say. Cause they, they don't have any incentive to tell us the truth tells the truth. So Pete Carroll has no incentive to say, yeah, I really wish I had Baker Mayfield. You know, he's going to try to talk crap about everybody else and talk up his own guys. And then eventually he'll make a trade or not. He wasn't going to trade Russell Wilson until five minutes before it happened. He swore up and down.
1: My be- My favorite was that he made that comment about, so I'm a obviously diehard Broncos fan here in Colorado. Uh, A lot of tears were not shed when uh, Drew got shipped out. But uh, the same day that he made that comment about how great Drew Locke was, somebody in the Denver Broncos fan chat posted an article from Seattle that said Geno Smith was winning the competition so far.
3: (laughs) I mean, but nobody's winning any competition yet because it hasn't started because there's no real facts until August. And even then, there's not that many. And by then, we'll see about Mayfield.
4: So, Moving on to the running backs now. Uh, you know, Brees Hall is the the cherry of this class. He's the top guy. Um, I think he landed in a good spot, despite my uh, desire for Michael Carter to get a real shot. Uh, I feel like that's going to be a 60-40 kind of proposition most of the year there. Um, but Isaiah Spiller was the all- through the run up, even after his subpar testing, he was kind of the RB3. And uh, like at Dynasty Nerds, we had him at, basically, we had three tiers. There was uh, Brees Hall, and then the next tier was Kenny Walker, then the next tier was Isaiah Spiller, then it was the rest of the guys. And then H- Spiller tested Lousy, and he dropped so far on a, a lot of people's rankings. Um, but you have him at, at RB4. Yeah. Is How much of that is situation? Like, do you, do you feel like he's going to be able to step right into the role there uh, with the Chargers and become that big-back complement to Austin Eckler and, and get 175-200 carries?
3: That's the question, and I don't think anybody really can answer it until we know for sure. I, I've just seen a parade of people who I knew – because I'd seen them play in the NFL, I knew they couldn't play – I've seen them all scale Mount Eckler and, you know, be the, be the component back the second back, the, you know, the one who would maybe take, does take some of the heat off of Eckler. Like I love the way the chargers used Austin Eckler last year. I think that touchdowns are tough to assume that that's, I know, high, high teens, that's probably rough, not going to happen again, but I like the fact that they don't treat him like McCaffrey. They don't, he's a little guy. They don't beat him to hell. Um, and, so, and to me, that means if the, if you could find one guy, one other guy who could be relied upon consistently, that dude would have some value in what seems like a pretty good offense and what seems like the right kind of work in situation where most of the pass blocking pressure wouldn't be on you. And you could just kind of imagine the role over this past couple of years of all those other Charger running backs. If they all went into one guy, you'd be you'd be kind of interested. so. I don't know for sure that Spiller can be that guy, but sure. It's not the worst of like platoon idea situations. And then I'm kind of with you guys. Like if you're going to tell me the reason that who knows really why Spiller fell, it can be a whole bunch of different reasons, right? On different teams, boards, it can be for all sorts of different reasons. But if if you're going to tell me that the reason was because they didn't like him in the underwear Olympics and they're going to ignore him actually playing football, like, I think that's an awesome buy opportunity. I, th- I think I'm much more, much more willing to take the chance um, accepting that, especially in other years where there were more sure things at running back getting drafted behind borderline, the fantasy MVP last year, maybe isn't the most op- optimal situation and Eckler isn't going anywhere for a while. And so there's maybe a little bit of a cap on him, but I'm comparing him to guys who I don't, I don't think are that great of prospects. Are all everybody else? It feels like other than maybe the top four or five guys are all in the best of all worlds with their NFL depth charts. Probably situational players. You know, not not people who you would ever throw the ball to, or not people who you'd ever feel a like great consistently running between the tackles. That that if you're going to, you know, Spiller seemed like an all around prospect to me. And I don't even think he's that bad of a pass catcher. He's not going to get to that much with the chargers. So like uh, maybe in some other year, this landing spot would kind of feel bad because he hasn't, um, he wouldn't have the opportunity to like flat out win a job and then win you a league. But uh, given the rest of what's on the, on the docket of that's available, if I'm like somewhere near the turn, maybe early second, I don't see a lot of other running backs that I like better. And I I don't know that I think we're through more receivers at that point than we are running backs, but I I don't see any more sure thing receivers either. So I wouldn't, I again, maybe this is another Olave type thing where I'm going, I think I feel like I'm hitting a a solid double here.
2: Yeah. I, I a thousand percent agree with you. I I don't know why he's getting discounted so much. I, I do think some of it is what you just mentioned. Like, we we built I shouldn't say we but people built him up so much and then he goes out to the to the the combine doesn't test well doesn't have a great pro day and then he lands with the charges and people are just fading him but you just mentioned they use Eckler in a really good way but he's dealt with some injuries as well and I sure. for me and again I I like what you said earlier I'm I'm not a college scout I'm not an NFL scout I'm sitting in my on my couch here in Texas I'm not working for an NFL organization so I, I may not know at all what I'm talking about here but for me he graded out as, like, a top three receiving back in this class. Like, he, he's a very good receiving back. There, He posterized a kid in college going up and catching yeah. a ball. So if Eckler goes down, I do think he's the perfect complement for him. And what you – like, you're getting him in the second round. Like, that has now been baked into his cost with with how low he's going. Like, I – he never moved off my RB3 even going as late as he did. So I, I love the ranking for him. I I'm, I've been – completely befuddled by why he's fallen so much for so many people. Cause coming into the draft, he was right. Everybody's like, Oh, it's, it's definitely priest Hall. And then is it going to be Spiller or Walker? And then James Cook was, it? who was it? James Cook, Rashad white. Um, there's somebody else that went, I can't remember now, Tyrion Davis price. Like all these guys go super high. It's a couple like, oh, Isaiah Spiller sucks. Now let's drop him down to like RB 15. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm, I was very curious. Uh, I was happy to see that you had him where you had him ranked.
4: Well, I have seen him rising in, as my Rick, I like I'm in 20 dynasty league. So I'm in a lot of rookie drafts. And as time has passed, Spiller is rising back up to the end of the first round.
3: There's noise there, right? Like I love noise when it, it kind of, uh, op, for dumb reasons, uh, you know, the, it obfuscates what a much longer body of work tells you this guy's capable of. And, and then you know, he doesn't run fast in not uniform clothing (laughs) and suddenly he's bad. Like, and, and like, let's not get it twisted because guys fall in the NFL draft for all kinds of reasons. You know, they, it's not all just because every 32 teams decided he wasn't worthy of a second round pick or a third round pick or whatever. Like it can be, medical red flags that we don't know about. It can be not about him at all, but rather we don't need a running back or we just liked this running back a little bit more, but we're, we're, we're agonizing between Rashad white and Isaiah Spiller and we picked Rashad white. And then, Oh my God, he lasted another 60 picks. Uh, I, I, I love that what you're saying. I don't think that, um, yeah, I've said, I don't have, I'm going to repeat myself. So I'm going to stop. But like, I, I don't think the evidence that he he's made bad by the fact that he fell in the draft.
4: So did, did you do rookie rankings before the draft? I did not. Okay.
3: I was just curious. They would, would have been very they would have been alphabetical. He yeah. would have been very low among the running backs. They're still <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just because you
4: have cause you have James Cook at three, and so I was curious I was yeah. wondering to myself how much draft capital and opportunity in Buffalo played into that ranking for you.
3: Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have had I you know I wouldn't have had Cook as high as Spiller from from the conversation. Brett. You guys know Brett Coleman, but Brett Coleman's a good pal of mine and he yeah. came on the podcast and did the running backs. And uh, he actually, I, I, I don't mean to light him up here because I'm not positive he's the one who said this on the show, but I think he is. He liked Zamir White more than he liked James Cook. Uh, and Brett, Brett, if you hear this, and I'm wrong, I apologize. Someone on my show said that and Brett did the running back, so I, I thought it was him. But uh, James Cook, there wasn't consensus on the better Georgia running back, I don't think. But, you can't ignore landing with Josh Allen. You can't ignore that the skill set, if he really is Alvin Kamara light, uh, then you can't ignore how well that fits and how much uh the running back has like maddeningly not been part of the past game for these couple of years of Josh Allen's emergence. I just think you have to go, all right. Well, situation counts for something, and I don't love to pretend that I know NFL situations before the seasons come along because they change so much every year, but there are a few things we know from year to year. And it's starting to feel like Josh Allen as a top three quarterback is one of them. And as an offense, that's going to be really aggressive is going to be one of them. And so no, in no way do I think Devin Singletary completely goes away. I think he's a good player, but there's something that Dalvin cook potentially brings that. They just haven't used Singletary yet. uh, And that's receiving. So I was going to ask you about that. You mentioned the the kind of
1: receiving. Do you think it's the personnel Buffalo has had, or the oh, well. scheme that they run? Because it didn't seem like running backs were a huge part, but now Brian Dable's oh. gone, so maybe
3: there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, like I think it's a it's a good point, and we we never can know the truth. We don't know. Like they they ran a lot of four wide. Frankly, they occasionally ran five wide it wasn't the four or five that we expected a lot of the time. Like Isaiah McKenzie, all of a sudden like kills the Patriots and you're like, Oh great. I had Gabe Davis that week. Sweet. Um, so it's a lot of, it's a lot of guys in the way that Arizona has a lot of guys. Right. Uh, uh-huh. and, and, and therefore, is there any work there for a running back catching the ball? Like I wouldn't want to turn it into Harris went on that show and guaranteed James cook. would get 60 catches as a rookie, but we know that if, if he, if, if he's taken in the second round of the NFL draft, he was right. So yeah, I'm not. End of he of the second. Yeah, he was. Yes, yeah, second round. Right. So, like, if he's taken this, they see something in the skill set. And I don't think anybody looks at James Cook and thinks he's like Dalvin. He's going to run over guys in the middle of the field. He's got that quick twitch vision to make linebackers miss in the hole. Like, I don't think that's why you take him in the second round. I think you take him because he's he's a monster in space and, and you know, fat, really fast, a big play player. So, boy, I think you have to. Build some, maybe not this year, but at some point, I think you have to build something around that skill set.
4: Yeah, I saw a couple of people kind of work in the theory that James Cook wasn't necessarily a satellite back, but he was more in the vein of the smaller workhorse backs like Devonte Freeman or um, uh, you know Jamal Charles or Priest Holmes, those guys who carried a big load, but they just weren't as big and. But they were able to, in their running process, avoid taking a lot of really big hits. Um,
3: Yeah.
4: Do you think – well, I guess you haven't really – it'll be curious to see moving forward if he – you know, is he going to get 200 carries? Because he is kind of that Christian McCaffrey size, about five pounds lighter. Um, And so I, I, I get nervous about guys like that carrying the ball a lot.
3: A lot. The key is a lot. You know, we love those guys on a per play basis and for fantasy purposes, they work out great when it's Austin Eckler. What's Austin Eckler for 12 carries and six catches in a game and, you know, three of them were between the tackles. So just isn't a lot of like unforeseen high impact collision. Bring it on when it's Christian McCaffrey getting 30 plus. It's awesome for however long it lasts. It's awesome. And I've taken a raft of doo-doo over the past two years for not ranking Christian McCaffrey as my number one player, but I just don't like the way they use them. And one, in one way, I love the way they use them. Love it until I really don't like it at all. And then I truly don't like it. So until you don't uh, have a
4: replacement in your lineup.
3: Yeah. There, and there is none, right. There's no, there's no dude out there who's just sitting around going, Hey, I'm guaranteed to get 30 touches every week. I mean, frankly, I don't love the way the Titans use Derrick Henry. I think there's something to be said just like can you can you please make him last the season and and give him seven fewer touches a game i would just be so indebted and they may have drafted the guy who could do that right they, they drafted another big running back but um anyway well, the good
1: news for the panthers is they went and got uh derrick henry's backup to to be <laughs> christian mccaffrey's backup now so maybe <laughs> yeah i'm um, sure that will work it, out great i have one more uh running back back sad backfields question for you so there was sure. probably like a 48 hour period this offseason where we could really cheer for Antonio Gibson. And then JD McKissick changed his mind, decided Buffalo Winters were not for him, and went back. Right. And then they went and drafted Brian Robinson. And now, you know, I know what you said it's coach speak, it's early, but there's a lot of talk. Hey, well, we have Brian Robinson and Gibson to split these first and second down reps, and then McKissick to come in, which sounds like a nightmare uh, for those of us that were hopeful for Gibson what do you what do you look at when you look at that backfield right now
3: I think it's a legi- legitimately reason for worry and reason for nightmare um, coming out of his rookie year I I thought Antonio Gibson had a a certain kind of really good rookie year. He didn't like flatten fantasy leagues or anything, but I just thought he looked really good. And for a a college wide receiver to look that good as a running back, to just be decisive with vision in a way that you don't normally see, frankly, rookie running backs doing let alone rookie wide receivers who've converted. um, It was great. And it felt like he, he dithered away quite a lot of goodwill last year. Just, he still looked really good when he didn't make mistakes, but my God, Did he make mistakes just so you watched that tape game by game for Washington and you'd see fumbles and you'd see drops and you'd see missed blocks. There's, it seemed like the, the whole, he's going to struggle because he was a collegiate wide receiver skipped a year. (laughs) It didn't happen so much in his first year. And then boy, I don't, you know, I don't blame Washington for feeling like they needed to hedge somewhat with a with a, not that expensive uh, draft pick. Um, I don't know that necessarily means Brian Robinson comes in and takes his job right away, but it just, it very clearly, no one can argue. It doesn't make the fuse shorter. You know, of course it does. You know, the, the whole reason Robinson's there is because Gibson wasn't reliable at all times. And if, if Gibson just had kind of the shakes for a little bit or he was nursing an injury and couldn't, couldn't get over it. And it affected his play. Like he can prove all that. And I wouldn't be shocked that if he did, Become reliable that Robinson doesn't play that much as a rookie. It's possible, but uh, they've built in uh, uh, they've built in a, a parachute, and not only that, but it, this is turning into kind of the Patriots model where you draft the replacement a year or two before the second contract comes along. Like it's it seems like a screaming red flag that the second contract doesn't come for Gibson.
2: Uh, so my last question here, I want to jump back to James Cook, because I, I was not a fan of him either. Like you, you mentioning that that Brett wasn't, I, I was not either. He was very lowly ranked, Um, really good receiving back. I, I don't know that he's, at least in my opinion, a very good runner. And I, I mentioned it on Twitter, and I know a lot of people are saying it as well, like there's, I think, a little bit of fear in the fantasy community that he could be like CEH for us. So and we, we all take him very high because of the situation. Great quarterback, right? You mentioned Josh Allen never really lives up to that hype. So in a rookie draft, where would you feel comfortable taking him knowing that obviously if he hits, you just hit on a gold mine, but if he doesn't, you may have unfortunately kind of have to eat that and keep him on your roster, never really get that value back.
3: Such a good question. He, he really does feel like the CEO CEH. Um, it seems like he does feel like the sucker play. I would, you know, definitely take the two running backs in front of him. They're probably one and two only because there's not a sure thing wide receiver. I'm I'm definitely taking those six wide receivers in front. I think I think I am. I'm not remembering my own ranks, but like John Dotson, I guess there's a, you know, would I take Cook or Dotson? It might, it might depend on what else I need. It, you know, it could it could. But I, I'd love to make him be the ninth pick the tenth pick even if you say sky Mora goes in front of him because of situation uh I don't think I want to go any higher than that and 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 I think you're agreeing and then you go oh great except for I'm picking tenth or I'm picking 11th and he did last am I really burning my pick here and I think that's a fair question and I think it's fine if somebody just wants to go you know what I'd rather hit the solid double i'm gonna take spiller i'm gonna take uh a a receiver who i you know wandell robinson i'm gonna take just somebody who i like uh i think that's fine i will say i'm sure you guys have talked about just sort of the general quality of this skill position group it's not high it's not as high as it's been the past couple years and so do i feel like if i'm picking 11 and i take cook which i don't think i'm gonna get him there right but let's just presume that he falls um do i feel like i'm really missing out on someone that you know two years from now people are gonna go you idiot you should have known i kind of don't there are going to be guys who get taken in second rounds of rookie drafts who pop but they're not going to have been consensus poppers right they're going to be like well we saw the upside but we knew there were things that were wrong but man he cleared him up and he turned into a really good player if i miss that guy because i took josh allen's new potential playmaking receiving back it's it's a decision I can live with. But Matt, if your point is I'm picking five and I don't want to take James Cook, I think I'm right there with you.
2: Yeah. I think that's my big, I know Matt Fox was in a draft where he went one, three. I've seen him go yeah. that early in some, like I, I'm with you. Like if you're at that back I part of the like first that. round and then it's just kind of like, what do I do here? Like I'm with you. Like it for me, it's like an argument between him. You got Christian Watson, who I think has a lot of questions as well, but great offense you know paired with Aaron Rodgers George Pickens we talked about earlier with with Pittsburgh develops wide receivers so like yeah he's sitting there it's like what do I do here so I was curious to see where you wanted to go or where you would go with that because I said I'm with you I would not go as early as 1-5 even though we've seen him go in there but back into the first round I think it's a legitimate question to ask
3: yep
4: well I think uh if nobody has any other questions I'd like to move on to book talk (laughs)
3: book talk
4: (laughs) yeah Uh, well i'm excited like i so i i I, i'm throwing around a book in my head and so i've been kind of tossing it out and uh so having you on you know the guys have their marvel corner where they'll talk about all things marvel and so since you're on and, and and you've written some books i thought i'd pick your brain a little bit promote your books a little bit hopefully uh you know it feels like, you, you know, you you studied it, you got your MFA, and you decided yep. writing was going to be part of your identity. And and um, so, like, how did you, like, what, you got your MFA, did you start your first book while you were in college, while you were yeah. getting that? Did you just one day go, I'm going to write a book and...
3: <laughs> I mean, I've wanted to write fiction since I was like 13 years old, I think is when I probably wrote my first book. It wasn't that good, but and then fantasy uh, I,
4: football got in the way.
3: I tried real hard. Uh I didn't major in anything. I took I got an English minor, like a literature minor in undergrad, but I, I majored in practical things. And then I went out in my twenties and did practical things, but I wrote kind of on the side. And it was really right around when I turned 30 that I went, you know again, limited time on this earth. Like what I, I really want to be a writer. So I'm going to go get this masters and, and be a better fiction writer. And the stuff that I wrote up to that point, I thought was really good then, but I look back on it now and I realized, you know, I needed more pages on my odometer. And uh, so, you know, when you, when you go to get a master's in fiction writing, I mean, they call it a terminal degree for a reason, Cause you know, there's, you can't get a PhD in it. And also you die when you finish it, your, your hopes of literary uh, glory die. Um, you know, it's not really a practical thing to say, cool, now I'm a fiction writer, you know, hope, hope I can eat. Uh, so it's something, you know, a, a lot of people say, uh, Oh, your side hustle is fiction writing. And I'm like, I mean, actually my side hustle is kind of fantasy, but, it, it takes more time than the other thing. So, you know, the season's long and I got to do a bunch of stuff. Uh, you know, f- writing fiction is kind of what I, it's how I have always processed my life and the ills of the world. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's how, that's how I, I just am always writing something.
1: Thank you. So you
4: got- uh, I'm not, Oh, there you go. Yeah, I muted myself again. Um so you have five books listed on your your site there. Which one was the first I do? one? Uh, yeah, I, I thought
3: think so. Four, I think. Oh no, I, I thought think I saw well, five. I think have only written four. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure I've only written four. Well, the first one's this book that I hold, held up. It's got look, it's got little football men on it. Can everybody yeah, see that?
4: Five back rhapsody. Yeah,
3: yeah, the call. It's back. about, a, it's, about <laughs> it's about a pro football player. It's about uh I guess it's like a Danny Woodhead type. Oh, Calvin his perspective, the third. he's uh he's uh try, trying to make the detroit lions and trying to stick with the Detroit lions and then it's basically a season in the life um and i i think it's pretty good it, i think it's pretty funny um and yeah i have uh, that's the first one that's the first one i ever got published um it did happen after i finished after i finished mfa school um I had gotten some short stories published in some literary journals. They weren't sports related or anything, but um, I started to write a baseball novel and my agent at the time, uh, she said, and I started to work for ESPN and uh, she said, great, great, great. Uh, A baseball novel. Sounds great. Um, Remind me again what you're, what you're known for. And, And I said, well, I'm not really known for anything. And she said, well, if you're known for anything in your professional life, what is it? And I was like, well, football. And she said, yeah, football. And I took the hint, so I changed, I stopped writing the baseball novel and wrote a football novel instead.
4: That's, they're good at their job, like that, aren't they? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't have an agent now. Any any agents that are listening to this, any literary agents, give me a give me give me a holler. I don't have. I haven't. I haven't had an agent for my last two books. I've worked directly with a publisher uh, who's great. So like, I'm not trying to. He's probably listening and going, "What jerk?" Uh, but yeah, it it's uh, it's good to have an agent.
4: Well, so you, your books span different genres. You got some suspense, it, like the big clear that seems pretty cool. Um, coming of age with your with the war on sound, post apocalypse with Tulsa. Like, how do you develop your ideas and like what 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 helps you get from hey I think I got an idea to the page and starting to write?
3: Uh, it's a hard question to answer it's hard to know when and when you have an idea that it that it can I've I've started writing things that never that I never finished or that I never thought that I like abandoned because it just wasn't a book um I wrote a whole book that I don't I just since Tulsa I wrote a whole book that that was short and it's fine but I don't really particularly ever want to publish it um like what what I don't know you have to want to spend a lot of time with it. You know, you're going to spend the book that I'm writing right now. I started in the fall of 2019 summer of 2019. So like you have to want to spend years with this stupid, I mean, this is a long book, really long book, but you have to want to spend a lot of time with these people and these ideas and these characters. And um, probably the most important thing is not, oh, I think this is really saleable. You know, the most important thing is that you're interested in the story and you want to spend a whole lot of time with, the subject matter or the people and all of that, you know, um, the answer is probably different for each of my books. Like the big clear, I wanted to write kind of a revisionist. I'm I'm a huge fan of Chinatown, you know, the movie Chinatown, right. Um, huge fan. I sort of wanted to write a a revisionist, uh, noir, neo-noir. Um, and so it's kind of a actiony, like one long weekend in the life of someone who's kind of like a stoned private detective. um, War on Sound is about a band. It's about musicians trying to make it as a rock band in an era like, you know, the sort of early teens that where rock bands weren't making as much money and weren't getting signed as much. And I went and saw a billion shows and talked to a lot of musicians and wrote a big long book about that Tulsa. I wanted to write, there was a lot of apocalypse. It's not really the apocalypse. It's just all the electricity goes out and uh, nobody really knows why. And I thought that was a cool idea for a book. And my goal for it was to always stay with the main character from his perspective and never cut to that scene where the generals explain what happened and why it's, why it's out or like what the world is like or anything. It would always just be from this super, super one person's view of it. Um, So I guess the answer is different for different stories. That was boring. Sorry.
4: Oh, I didn't (laughs) think it was boring at all. All Thank you. I love, I love the, so having been a musician and, and wrote songs, uh, my 17-year-old is a musician who's trying to figure out how to write songs. And so when he'll play something for me, the question I always ask him is, how does that make you feel? Yeah. And he'll, he'll be like, well, I don't know. I'm like, then it's not a good song. I'm like, but also, <laughs> you have to write a lot of songs. You have to write a lot of stuff before it starts making you feel any kind of emotion and right. i'll always be like so what do you call that and he's like what do you mean i'm like did you give it a title i'm like you you have to it, writing songs is like developing a person and creating a you, you've got to like when it you, you have to feel something you have to give it a name and in because that's how it grows that's like the water and the sun for it if you just are playing a riff and it's like why won't this grow? It's because you're not feeding it. That's kind of my approach to it, but well, Chris.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a good point. It's a good analogy. Uh, I mean, especially because I spent so much time writing about music for that one long book of mine um, where songs come from is a, is a very mysterious place. And so many of them are dead on arrival and you can't figure out why you're trying to breathe life into it and you just can't. And probably that's true of books too.
4: Yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming on with us today. Uh, that was really awesome. I uh, love the work that you're doing and uh, the journey that you're on. Um, I'm looking forward to, you know, my own summer in the, the in, in Massachusetts someday.
3: <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, I'm often, I'm off in the woods uh, yeah. doing, doing my various things. Just you and Stephen oh. King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this new book could not be less like Stephen King if I tried. Uh I am writing a lot this summer. Um, I'll hopefully play a fair amount of golf. Although as we've been recording this, the biggest thunderstorm of the year has been raging over me. I hope it didn't like boom into the microphone. Um, I, I uh, I'm hoping that the weather is nice enough here in new England this summer to actually get out on the golf course a little bit too. That would be nice.
2: So Chris, if anybody hasn't, if somehow someone hasn't heard of you, where can they find you in all of your work?
3: Uh, Harris football.com is where it all is. You can follow me on social media, Uh, any any place at harris football um and yeah yeah if you're interested at all in in books just go to amazon there's plenty of books there um i appreciate how many of my listeners who probably couldn't give two craps about my books have gotten them because they like me that's really nice but if if people like subject matter that would be good too
1: (laughs) well now we know too thanks to what you shared decades from now when your estate releases your final unpublished
3: manuscript well no you wrote it a long time ago
1: you just didn't want
3: anyone to ever see it oh well that one yeah that one i don't feel so weird about this one that i'm working on now it's what's so so what's crazy about this one is it's been you know getting getting on almost three years and i'm 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 getting there but it's not that close to being done it's already like a hundred pages longer than my my biggest book which was already very long uh and it's it's funny, we were talking about titles, because it doesn't, I have a lot of candidates for titles, but I don't really have a title for it yet. So the Word document for three years has been called Sprawling Future Epic. And I don't think I'm going to name the book Sprawling Future Epic. That would be very meta. Now but... you have to. <laughs> now you're on a podcast. You have to do that. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm hopeful, hopefully the perfect title will, like this storm, hit me between the eyeballs.
4: That's
2: how it works. That's just what it does. Well, Chris, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to to join us and talk a little bit about football and everything. We really appreciate it. Everybody, we will be back again on Friday. Make sure to follow uh, Chris at HarrisFootball and check out HarrisFootball.com. You can get his books and everything else that he does for fantasy. We'll talk to you guys again soon.
0: Prepare for glory! I came out the wrong line already. It is he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackle him the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. Please. I can. <laughs>